okay, we've got no idea what we're talking about today. It's gonna be good. Alrighty, can everybody see the weird of names? Well, our listeners can't, but we, at least yeah. <laughs> I'm always here for podcast God. We don't want to give away all the other things, so click to spin. Ready? Well, there we go. Oh, we got confetti and everything. I'm just... That's our topic decided then. And thank you for joining us on Testing Fears today. <laughs> we'll be back next time. Outside influences to our testing. All righty. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Testing Peers. Tonight, as always, I'm joined by the awesome foursome, Chris. Hey. David. Hello. Russell with his bad internet connection. Aloha. And I'm Simon. As always, I'd like to say we're delighted to be sponsored by Saffron QA. Saffron QA are specialists in testing recruitment and they provide a range of bespoke recruitment services to organisations across the UK. For further details about Saffron QA, please see the show notes or visit Saffron QA. Now, tonight's topic, we are talking about outside influences to our testing. But before we dive into that, Russell. It's 2022. It's an mm. exciting year. Lots of twos in it. What do you want to achieve this year? You've got any goals, ambitions? I'm not talking resolutions or anything like that sort of malarkey, just sort of thing. Have you got any aims, achievements? So I've got one, just to stop doing work on my house for a bit. That's as exciting as it gets after I've moved house this year, just to get to a point where I can leave it alone. That's my that, goal for this That year. never happens, does it? I've been, I've been living in my house for 14 years and, and I've always had to tinker with stuff. Tinkering, yes, is fine, but no major works, like not taking all the doors off or getting roofs replaced or redoing carpets. Just thinking that's my goal is just to get to a point where for six months I'm not having any major works or any major things go on. I think I've probably got two. I think this year we're finally... Hope well. Our goal is to be in a place where we're either moving on a, on our first house or have moved into our first house by the end of this year. So that's that's the that's the the stretch goal, I guess. The other goal is I'm literally moving roles this week into a head of QA role, and I want to make that a success. I want to do what I can to improve the the quality of the testing outputs at EasyJet across the board. So that's yeah, that's a goal for the year as well. My goal, I've sort of started working on it, and I've been working on it for the past three years, I would say, uh, is actually to try and do a handstand. Yeah, so I've been working on that for three years. Well, I, I've been thinking, but well, I've been doing a bit of calisthenics, <laughs> so I haven't worked. So I think I've got the strength now because I've been working on the strength. So therefore, it's just the mechanics of actually doing it. But it's not just a kick up; it's a it's a, it's it's, a frog stand. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Do a frog, do a handstand. I'll 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 be happy to. We could do a handstand photo off when we next yeah, see each other. That'd be brilliant. Which would be a lot of fun because handstands hurt, but they're fun. And Russell going to sit drinking the beer. Yeah. Surely we need to have, you know, when the testing peers meet up again, we need a photo mm. of you two one way and us two the other way. Did you see also that I sneakily tagged testing peers in the tech conferences? Yeah, nothing like putting pressure on us. I thought, why not? Let's just let's just talk about goal peers. for the year. Let's get Pe peers con out. Peers con could be a team goal. Why not? If there's any 
listeners out there that, that feel like their companies might want to sponsor PeersCon, then please uh, please reach out, make this happen. I'm sure we can find a venue. Anyway, I, I do also have a, a goal that's less a resolution and more a habit that I want to adopt. Uh, and I started off well so far this year. My goal is to read a chapter of a book for fun every day. And like I'm, I've done that. I've achieved that so far. And do you know what? I feel good about it. I enjoy it. This is this is where I was at in the pre-pandemic world where I was able to do that thing. It helps free my mind. It's something I look forward to. I watched recently the Harry Potter reunion show and it kind of brought back all those feelings that I got of joy of reading for fun and, 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 and where that sort of takes you on those sorts of ventures. And I thought I miss being in that space. So I wanted to push forward and so far it's going well and i want to do that every day ad infinitum and actually i'm on, on a similar i'm on a similar vibe i got bought a kindle for for christmas so i'm on a sort of a reading uh frenzy i want bizarrely i also got bought books so i've got a physical i'm in uh, currently interacting between both physical and a kindle but um yeah, I'm on a similar thing. It's, it's nice to relax to at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I've taken up some books reading sort of for fun rather than testing related books. I read one over Christmas, which is, I haven't done that for a long, long time. And I'm now sort of on the rest of the series. So, yeah, all good. You got a whole testing peers goal and more reading. Well, we should probably start have a reading library of non-testing related books. The good reads. That sounds like a different episode, maybe to have some point in the future. Maybe um, some books. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so our topic that we obviously spent a lot of time planning about tonight is outside influences to testing. So I guess where do we start, Russell? This was your idea. What are your thoughts? This was my idea. Okay. This was my idea. (laughs) Russell said something, and I jumped on it like a. Crow in the middle of a row. Russell triggered it. Yeah. I think it was woodwork you mentioned, wasn't it, Russell? Ah, yes, yes. That's what I did, yes. So what have you learned from, from woodworking that, that's influenced your testing, Russell? Um, measure twice, cut once. I think it's a classic one. So, um, not really learned that, but you don't want to kind of make mistakes, so you end up checking things before you do them. So it's about sort of preventing versus correcting mistake it's a lot harder to fix something once you've chopped off an extra inch from a bit of wood you can't just glue it back on and get the same strength so um kind of trying to prevent is a definite time saver i think that's the first thing i've kind of learned that there's a reason why that old saying exists and it really should be used more within software well also also with the checking you know working with hardware as well especially with measurement and I know that Chris and I worked together on the sort of electricity and, and obviously that was a key thing there is to make sure that you, when you are connecting you are switched off so you don't electrocute yourself but also on the testing side there's also the case of when you're using very um, accurate hardware equipment to measure things sometimes if you don't check beforehand you can ruin the whole a bit of equipment and break it or if even with connectors if you're trying to force the wrong connector on you can ruin a very expensive bit of equipment very easily so always make sure well first of all be trained but second of all always check that you're doing the right thing and if you're unsure definitely get training and, and check on on things that's that's another good one really though isn't it which is about sort of safety doing things that are safe um you know non-destructive type 
tests. There's no point ruining a set of data, for example, with a test that will just delete it straight out the bat. You want to start with doing the things that are safer to that data, editing it um, and things like that. So, you, you know, you prioritize and you, you work in a sensible order and fashion with whatever it may be, environments, data, other things. I guess that links quite well to a thing I've learned from parenting is you know you can watch kids they'll get a new toy and the first thing they'll do is they'll try and they'll they'll do the most destructive thing to it so i guess in that respect it's, it links to that again the you know let's try everything else out first before we do that final clinical test that breaks everything you just reminded me of uh, dogs not children i have to admit but uh, dogs or pets if you get a toy they're more likely to play with the box than they yeah. are probably with the actual object that came in that happens with kids as well yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of times when when they don't do what you expect them to do, mm. um, and that is very true of users of software. And so, yeah. being able to understand those things, of course, is there. But there's there's other things with children that are really important when it comes to explaining things, but also being asked questions that you never thought possible or you never really thought about, um, and that that can really throw you off. Because we use a lot of language, we say a lot of words, but you get challenged on specific words. What does that exactly mean? And and I had this with a, a an engineering manager where he was like, "Chris, tell me what a heuristic is." And I was and I and you know I know what heuristics are, but it's like when you've looked at your watch and then you look away and somebody goes, "What's the time?" I don't know. And it's, and with the kids, they throw you off sometimes in the middle of reading them a story okay what does that word mean and you're like which word <laughs> and and you it, it forces the question asking thing that we, we, we talk about a lot as well as being more aware of the way we phrase things and the way we deal with things and because if we are dismissive with them now because for whatever reason maybe i was in a nice flow that can damage the way that they might ask future questions and being accessible to other people and stuff yeah i'd agree with that i think the question is really good good thing but also another thing that i remember learning from kids is from my example is stickers you know in our mindset and you know we've got people here who are football sticker fans and you've got your album and you stick them in the right place but sometimes kids will just get stickers and just stick them everywhere and, and not be as precise as sometimes we as adults have or, you been looking at my son's bedroom door David? <laughs> <laughs> but and, and and that is a really good thing to to remember as a tester is that you know we're, although we're we're looking for the best quality product so we're looking for perfection actually the the road to that is looking at things in a completely different way and not necessarily in a destructive way but it, trying things in a different order and a bit more messy to try and try and get mistakes out of there uh, and think of things in a different way yeah i think i think you're right and i think that also links back kind of we talked about it briefly before the lego conversation i'm certainly one that if i'm building a model for one of my boys i want to follow the instructions and build it as the, the instructions say and end up with the ferrari car or whatever it is we else we've built whereas their minds go to oh, if i just put these pieces all over the place and i'll make something completely different and i instinctively want to go no no no, that's not how we do it but equally it's letting them go and the same could be done with the testing you don't want to be saying no we have to test it this way because in our minds we, we want people to be free and creative with their testing it's all right to have the sunny day scenario 
at times. Yes, absolutely. You you should be allowed as a tester to have the freedom to go rogue. It's that concept of if you just did user journey testing, shall we say, then you're going to miss a lot of the abnormal, the things that cause the bugs, the things that stop orders getting processed on websites, uh, all those sorts of things that go out there, which are real world payment fails. Other things happen. You might think of the common ones, but the, it's the uncommon ones. The person that puts the postcode in first rather than the first line of the address, just because they know their postcode rather than the house number or something crazy. And it just does things in a slightly different order that makes website go a bit wonky. Yeah, agreed. I did think of another one with kids. Do you notice that kids see stuff on the telly and they want it? Yeah. And then sometimes, you, sometimes, sometimes you give them the things that they want. And they're not interested. We've just, we've had Christmas recently. Loaded presents. Some of the stuff they explicitly asked for, they didn't play with it. They didn't even get it out of the box. Because if you give people everything they want without substance, without understanding, without talking about those sorts of things, that derails you because that wasn't what I was planning to get because I'm, I'm very thoughtful, gift giver and stuff like that. Um, but also... You know, I want to please them. I want to do what they want. But this is this this is often the thing with requirements from customers or from product managers or people outside of things where they they derail you in your plans. And and giving stuff everything that people want to everybody doesn't necessarily help. I once asked a whole development team what they wanted in a workflow on Jira. I gave them I gave them everything they wanted, partly to prove a point. I gave them everything they wanted in, in the order that they wanted it. And guess what they said to me? It's not what they wanted. It's not what they wanted. I don't even use this. Why is this here? It's not useful. How is this helpful? It takes really long time to do everything. I don't want to sail into Jira because we've been going for a long time. Yeah, let's not talk about Jira. <laughs> Lovely tool. Also, horrible tool at the same time. Depends on how it's been put together and who's looking after the thing. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Let's move on from children and pets. What else is there? Yeah, so so my background, I think I mentioned it before, is is from sort of a scientific background. And so therefore I always sort of see testing as a series of experiments. With experiments, you generally start with a hypothesis. So naturally, the hypothesis should be that you have got bug-free software. And so therefore the assumption is that you won't have bug-free software so therefore, you know, you start with off that assumption and then you build your experiment around that or your tests around that. And uh, so that's basically what I've learned from from being a scientist, at least, is a series, a series of experiments to prove your hypothesis or get as close to your hypothesis as possible. So last year I was moving house and I was searching through what it was I wanted in a house what my price range was locations like catchments for schools there's a whole bunch of things and what i found really interesting talking to different people including you three was that we don't want the same thing we don't want the same thing out of the box we don't want the same locations we don't want the same spaces we don't want any of these things to be be identical to each other and so i could show a, a layout to a house to russell Russell with his architect mind might look at that and go that doesn't make sense that's a bit stupid I'd never want to live in that one where's the garage where's this where's that I could show it to Simon and Simon would be thinking well, where am I going to put the dogs what about this is the is the school the right sort of thing for my kids 
yeah, all these things. David probably be looking there with some sort of scientific hypothesis or something. Um, but <laughs> How strong is that wall? But but it's, we don't we don't all have the same same requirements, and so like it's it's horrible looking for houses because you might never find the thing that you're after, and you end up having to compromise on what you thought you needed or what you might need. And you and even when you're seeing stuff on a screen, it isn't the same as seeing something in real life. And I would never buy a house without having gone to look at the actual place without looking at the context of where i actually am understanding like what direction is the house facing what else can i see around it what are the people like is the traffic bad all those sorts of things i, I google to find out if there's been any sort of police you know issues in the area um and and do all, do all that sort of background check i can't find all that stuff online i can find a lot of it but if i don't actually experience what it's like in the place and look in all the corners they use fisheye lenses on flipping shots that mean that the room looks nothing like it in real life it's very irritating yes. <laughs> and you know it's it's you can have stuff down on paper that looks perfect but until you actually see it you're actually in there you're actually around it it's a very very different experience and taking that in in, in mind means that no matter how great i've designed something maybe i've got a model that i think is wonderful and it's going to change people's minds unless i try it out with other people and get them to experience and try and articulate what it is it is and then maybe even try experiment to your point david about things I'm not going to know if it's actually right for me or if it's right for them. Who'd have thought I'd make some sense out of that? Well, the other thing from the, that sort of story, Chris, is how we all do want different things, but we all do want a house. So we know we want to kind of the core features are the same. The nuances are how many bedrooms, you know, locations. None of you want to go north where I am, do you? Um, <laughs> So the location is different. The schools are important to different people for different things, different age groups. So there is lots of different levers, but actually a lot of the levers are the same. Few of them are different. You know, does it have a garden and not so on. So there's a range and we operate within that range. And some of us prefer certain behaviours over others. But I think we all pretty much are guaranteed that we want it to be watertight. We wanted to have a roof on its head, on its head, <laughs> on its walls. Um, we wanted it to be safe, secure. There were certain things, internet connection, otherwise no more peers. Um, though Chris did compromise on that, and uh, I seem to be as well. Um, but there were certain things that, the, the high-level features, we want to call it, we probably could get relatively close on. Maybe the schooling would be probably the difference. Maybe the number of bedrooms might be. But we'd all agree that we want a bedroom, at least one. So there's some criteria that we can get. But if you try to get everyone happy, you're going to fail. Um, and that's where range is good and being flexible is good and other things like that help. There's, there's a context thing with, with houses, if we're going to continue with this metaphor, in the sense that in the world of Agile, we can build stuff and we can iterate on it. Houses, you can't have a one-bed house and then iterate on it to suddenly make it a five-bed house. You can. Ne necessarily, because of the surrounding context. Planning constraints. So, but yeah. so, but if, if you know you're building a one-bedroom house with it, with it, a view to making it bigger that's a very different way that you plan the foundations and the space that you've got to if you know you just want that one bedroom house and what you're going to do with that space and so that's why it's important to have short and long-term goals and even that a long-term goal can change but we need to understand that if i'm building something with a view to 
building it differently. So maybe I'm looking at modularity, scalability, or one of those things. It's important to sort of understand the direction in which I want to head, or if this is the end goal and it's one and done, heck, that's really easy. Yeah, if you're thinking about trying to house a thousand people, then buying a plot of land that's 10 meters square, it's probably a bad idea. Again, taking on this this, this analogy and, and going a bit further in a sort of slightly different direction is the sort of interpretation of the plans, especially if you're building it. You know, that actually, and and I thought initially of a Chinese whispers, but we can carry on with the, the sort of building. You know, Chinese whispers, if you send the whispers around, the end message can be very different. And the same if you're describing a house, you, you might describe a one bedroom house, but actually if you describe it in a particular way, and someone is trying to draw it, or three people are trying to draw it, they may they will come up possibly, unless it's very well described, in very different ways. And so therefore, we as testers need to interpret exactly what it is and then give the message back to the client to, to ensure that actually our understanding is what the client sees, so that therefore we can make sure we're, we're testing the product that the client wants rather than the sort of interpretation. It's sort of the difference between the verification and the validation type thing. Keeping the architecture, keeping the building analogy going, because I want to keep this going for the rest of the episode now. Even architects, when they're designing buildings, they're showing their plans, they're getting feedback, they're doing demos, they're building models, they're interpreting it in two dimensions and three dimensions. They're doing three-dimensional models, they're doing walkthroughs now, using 3D CAD and all sorts of different things. And to try and put people in those different perspectives that we were talking about. So they're using different things, but they're all doing it prior. A lot of this, certainly in the building world, is done prior to actually laying those foundations. Because if you get the foundations wrong in the building, it is quite a major job to redo them. So there's a lot of there's a lot of work, isn't there? And there's a lot of planning you have to go through. You have to get approval mm. for these these things. You have to prove why you want to build the thing. And you but have to sort of yeah. It is generally less agile, I would argue, though. generally the building systems and processes and governance. It, it, it is, and I, yeah, and you're, you're right, but you, you probably could do. You can buy modular boxes and, and those, oh, is it half houses? Are they the ones that you can make boxes and they're kind of pre-pack and things, or am I really wrong? <laughs> no, half houses are a German um, prefab sort of building thing, but you can't, kind of, you get them to design it all for you and then build it for you very quickly. Wasn't, wasn't fully wasn't fully following on grand designs i apologize but let's move away from the housing so there's lots of things in construction that do help and you know repetition is the other one um you can make things cheaper by redoing the same plans and you could show someone an example to then do another website similar so if you want to kind of building like mobile apps if you want to build things you can also create design languages which again help you articulate to other people what you're building and how it's meant to look what it should be so there's lots of analogies i guess across the building trade that you can reuse i said i was move away from buildings didn't i whoops let's jump jump on to something that you said there that can be a really smooth segue then and because you talked about apps let's talk about phones mobile phones i was gonna go well there i went there (laughs) boom we we are we're, we're in many ways we are we are a very similar demographic to each to it to to each other, you know, similar jobs, similar you know backgrounds and blah blah blah. But hey, I have an Android phone and you three, not so much. Yeah, and 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 there are there are different requirements to come with those things. There are compromises that we make in order to to, to decide for one 
versus another if we're just talking about Android and, and iOS. Um, but there's also ecosystems and tra traps and webs and things that people get stuck on, aren't there? And sizes. And what What's your priority when you look at a phone? Because I bet you it's different to everyone else. Yeah, because actually I was going to say a similar thing is that actually what, in my, my mind, a phone is more of a um, communication device. I don't do a lot of browsing or uh, a lot of uh, social media on it. It is basically just a communication device, whether that's through Teams, through phone calls, um, through WhatsApp or other apps like that. It's, I see it as a communication device. I would, I would say, yeah, that's a, that's an important. I think for me, the the browsing aspect, the gaming aspects, photo storage, the big one. So that's a, I think it's it's more of a, a multifaceted thing than just a communication device. Now, in fact, I'd put phone calls quite low down. I don't think I make any phone calls as such anymore. It's more video or instant messaging, really. Which, yeah, you're not a big TikToker. No. Oh, sorry. Can't dance, otherwise maybe. <laughs> well, that, that's perfect for TikTok. Me, I, I just want it to work. I don't know what that really means. So I kind of, if I was going to change my phone now, I'd want something that I could easily change to. So it would be familiar to me. So I'd probably stick with the same brand just because the, the user experience would be very similar. But to Simon and everyone else's point, it's about kind of, something that just meets my needs. I just don't know what they are really. Um, yes, it's got a camera, yes, it's got storage, but. It's, a, it's an interesting topic on, on the phones, I think. Because like I said, we, we, are, we, are, we are the same demographic. We could be the same persona as each other, but we're not. And we do have different reasons. I, I like having a phone that's got a, a good camera and things like that as well. And it's important to me that it feels nice there's a lot of sort of tangible things about, about touching that, that's quite important but I, I think it's the same is true if we if we talk about say cars what 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 Russell would look for in a car might be different to me because I'm looking for a big old boot space lots of fuel economy and things but it's also the feel of the drive right that's that's quite a thing if you're if you're a petrol head quite often you care about what it's like to feel like you're driving and and the same the same is true of like your user experience with any software. It can be what's the feel like, and that might be the most important thing to you. But at the same point, sometimes just the fact that it does the job or that you can afford it, that's the most important thing. And and we need to really pay attention in our roles, advocating for customers for, for, for different reasons and understanding what it is that they actually care about. Because just because the most important thing for me on a phone is it has 120 hertz refresh rate and that the camera's got hundreds of megapixels does not mean that Simon over here cares about the same things as me, even though I can say he's a pretty similar age, he's got the same number of kids, surely we care about the same things. For all I know, Simon cares most about podcasting. Yeah, he has a few. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, a, that's a big learning from outside influences is everybody has different needs everyone has different desires whether it comes from software or whether it comes to to, to everyday objects such as cars houses etc um, i think you know, we can take a lot of that back into our roles to make sure that we're not testing 
as David mentioned earlier, the, you know, the happy path, the, you know, the good path. It's, it's about making sure we're thinking of, of as many different varieties of scenarios as possible, thinking about the users and, and, and that everyone has different, different requirements. And that leads down to things like usability, accessibility, how secure things are as well. So we can learn a lot of that from our outside influences and just by browsing other apps on our phone having apps on our phone, I'm sure we all have frustrations with certain apps that we use that seem to require us to log in a lot more frequently than others do. Or, or well, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't trying to name anything, but yeah. I don't mind. Um, but there's, there's particular apps that do things in particular ways that are frustrating. I think I've mentioned it on one of our earlier episodes that there's a thing with the Amazon app that the, the notifications that come down on the iPhone don't go away again after a couple of seconds. They just stay on the screen. So you have to manually swipe them away, which is a minor frustration, usability frustration, but it's Amazon. You're going to continue using Amazon. <laughs> In most instances, it's something you learn to live with. Other apps won't be as fortunate. But really, you know, a lot of this can come back into the way we work and the, the things that we think about when we're doing our testing. And that should should form part of our plans is, is by thinking about some of the things that we might do outside of our day job could influence and help us with our testing. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to go back to um, sort of almost full circle to the, to the banter we said at the beginning when Chris mentioned about books and, uh, you know, reading a chapter a day. And, and we mentioned, I mentioned that I got a Kindle. And, you know, people, I've had this discussion with people as to what aspects do you prefer or, or not like about the Kindle? And in my mind, we've got to recognise that books have been around for a very long time and people like the physicality, the the tactile uh, feel of the actual book, which you can't get from an, an electronic device. However, an electronic device is far easier to take a whole library around with you if you're going to, if you're going to read in a coffee shop than taking a, a library of books. So as testers, we need to recognize that there is a, there is a need for, or I, I personally think, that we need to take pride in what we're, we're doing, but recognize that actually there may be other ways of doing it, that people might not suddenly change the world in order to, to go with, with the electronic reading device because they actually like the tactile nature of the actual book. Um, and it's recognizing that there are different opinions, which is going back to the whole um, uh, discussion we've just had, that it doesn't mean to say it's, it's the wrong way, it just means that people have a different way of actually doing it and we need to recognize that as testers. We have to go back as well and understand what the products that we're testing are trying to do. What, mm. what, what are they trying to achieve? Like Kindle isn't trying to be the physical tactile book as much. It's about the portability. Those are the characteristics that are more important to it. Phones, you've got some phones that are designed to be incredibly simple to use. That's their target audience. Um, to get simplicity and that's what you need to test around that's what you need to consider in that where you've got some other things where actually usability the the Simon complained about sort of the Amazon app how that's probably a really bad thing for for um, Apple because that's the sort of thing they pride themselves on usability so you if you understand the sort of marketplace you're going for the, the, the product if that makes sense. And that's working with your product managers, your product teams, the customers themselves. It can help give you perspective to see whether actually the solution is meeting the need. And as we said before, you've got to think outside the box as well. There's not there's just your interpretation, 
but um, you know, I would encourage everyone on this, I guess, podcast to to meet your actual customers, your real life customers, to go out your way to find them, to speak to your customer support teams, find out what the nitty gritty things is that people call about, what is the complaints, because that can have a massive influence on in how you prioritize and what you look at in the product. There was some furious nodding going on there, listeners. I would. I would say there's, there's there's loads more we could do, and this this is why when we talk about trying to stay in touch with 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 trends and trying to keep up to date with latest things can help us, in, and we shouldn't just try and stay within our own our own bubbles. There's there's probably a millions of different suggestions that we could come up with of where you could go to find different things. Maybe where I look to on on Twitter, or or if I'm out and about and I see something, oh that could be an interesting metaphor for testing. There's probably loads of cool things, and it'd be really nice to sort of maybe discuss things as, as we are inspired by various things down down the line but we've probably come to the end of the line today um so thank you once again for joining us for this episode um we've had a good time listening listening to each other talk there we go we'll say that and talking to each other and really sort of looking at what other outside influences um have helped inform our testing um going forwards and going backwards and rounded about we really thank you for you continuing to listen to us um we've been doing this for over a year and a half now and we're having a really fun time um we love listening to your feedback and we really ha- hope to hear more from you if you've got ideas of things we can talk about reach out to us we're on most of the socials we're on twitter instagram linkedin are we on other places facebook yes good pods good pods We're on all your favorite podcasting platforms, but you know that because you're already listening to us, aren't you, listener? Thank you very much. Uh, If you want to support us, please find us on Patreon. And otherwise, stay tuned. There'll be another episode coming your way soon. Thank you very much. For now, it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. Goodbye.